0: You're listening to W.E.R.A.L.P. Arlington, 96.7 FM. I think that he thought he could come in kind of like dictator style and just tell people what to do. We're going to build this wall and uh, we're going to get rid of Obamacare. Well, you know. They still haven't gotten rid of Obamacare, and they're hiding whatever weak proposal they've put together to try and do it. And the wall that he was going to build, the big, beautiful wall, um, now he's coming to the taxpayers and saying, well, I need you to pay for it, even though he had said during the campaign, I'm going to make them pay for it. And now I'm going to make them reimburse me. So the man is not trustworthy. Uh, He makes promises. As a matter of fact, I wonder sometime if he's not taking his cues from Putin. let yeah. yeah. Listening to WERALP 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia. I am Andrea Cameron, and this is Enlighten Me. Today, uh, I am pleased to be joined by not one, but two special guests uh, for Enlighten Me. It is a doubleheader, and I am, uh, I am sure you will enjoy uh, the program today. On the program today, Tasha Urich, she, she is the author of Insight, A book about self awareness. And, you know, usually I don't cover topics like this, but I think with this current climate, Uh, political climate and with the fact that so many things are going on at such a uh, breakneck speed, um, it is nice to kind of sit back and delve into some self-awareness. And, you know, what actually made me do this uh, on the show today was a friend of mine who has been kind of contemplating, kind of uh, been um, thinking about the fact that um, they haven't been doing um, much work, active work, active progressive work. Um, in their own communities, and I had to uh, kind of, you know, uh, you know, let them know that if once you take that step back and look at that, look at yourself, and look at the things that you do and say, and how you navigate this world, and how that self-reflection can sometimes be the most important that we do, um, then you'll notice and you'll understand that uh, you're actu- you actually are doing active work to dismantle some biases and some, um, things that, that, uh, you know, are not helpful in society. All right. So Tasha, you worked on the program today. Also a friend of mine who uh, is a filmmaker has been, um, you know, a lot of times filmmakers don't get the support that they need um, and, and a lot of indie filmmakers don't get these groundswell of support in order to get their films um, financed in order to get their the awareness out there in order to get the um, you know especially for stories that are so niche and so um, it's talking about specific, Things And I wanted to kind of uh, bring to the forefront and bring to uh, the limelight those films that uh, sometimes get overlooked. So Penny Hollis, a filmmaker who has two new short films out, uh, Maxine and The Birthday Gift. And she surprisingly has some pretty impressive people working on this film. I want her uh, to come in to tell us all about both of those films, talking about mental health awareness and the black community. So, two people on the program today that I hope you will enjoy, and I hope that uh, will bring you some some insight into uh, mental health and into yourself. The show is called Enlightening, of course. When we return, we are looking for a couple of things. Uh, Penny Hollis, she's the director of Maxine and the Birthday Gift. She will open up about mental health awareness in the black community. And later on the program, Tasha Urich, the author of Insight, shows us that we are not as self-aware as we think. This is Enlighten Me. I'm Andrea Cameron, and we'll be right back.
1: Like a mo
0: Listening to WERALP 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia. This is Enlighten Me. I am your host, Andrea Cameron. And I am so pleased to have with me uh, Penny Hollis. She is the director of Maxine and the birthday gift on the program. However, first, I wanted to read one story that, uh, you know, we, uh, speaking of films, The woman turning Harriet Tubman into a TV superhero, Misha Green, the Underground co-creator, is ready to teach the president about the Civil War and much more. Misha Green, the co-creator of Underground, she is looking to tell the story of Harriet Tubman. And I think this is one of the most fabulous things uh, that she is looking to do because it shows that our stories need to be told. And our films need to be made. And speaking of the fact that our films need to be made and and our stories need to be told, uh, Penny Hollis is joining me uh, today to talk about two films that she is currently working on uh, and the project and all about some of the the stuff that she's been doing uh, today. Penny! Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. All right, so talk to me about uh, The Birthday Gift and Maxine, two films that you're currently working on and two films that
1: um, have a lot of surprising names on on your uh, list of people who you've collaborated with. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, the two films I've been working on for the past year or so, I wrote them both. They're both dealing with um, mental health. They're based on my family, Mm -hmm. actually. Uh, one is about a woman who's a paranoid schizophrenia who's dealing with a sexual assault. Thirty years later, the other one is based on my parents. My mother passed several years ago, mm-hmm. and my father just passed the uh, beginning of the year. So it's based on their My it's based on my father grieving over my mother. Mm.
0: So what made you? I mean, a lot of a lot of times uh, filmmakers do tell their own personal stories. And I know that because, um, especially their first works or or what, you know their early works are told um, from their perspective and, and their their stories. What made you um, tackle mental health head on?
1: Uh, mental health. People don't like to talk about it, and especially in my family, um, past couple of years, several several family members have been battling mental health, and mm-hmm. for me, it was more like. Telling their stories and also for me, it was therapy. Mm-hmm. Therapy for me mm-hmm. to just try to break down that wall. And like my my brother, he's twenty five years old. He's bipolar. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. me writing these stories is hopefully it would make him understand. Make him feel like he can he can talk to someone about yeah. it. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I you know I feel like the stigma within um, the African American community is so. Um, I, you know, I don't even know the word for it. It is so it's 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 so there. I mean, you, you have people right now that are functioning um, with mental um, diseases that they don't know that they even have. You know, I think so many people walk around and say that I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Or I'll pray about it. Or this is what, you know, they go to the church and, and don't actually do the the work to understand their illness or to understand what's going on with them. Um, But you have said, no, I'm going to break down that wall. I'm going to actually tell this story because not enough
1: people tell it. Yeah, in the African-American community, when you're labeled, base your label crazy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if you have a mental illness. Mm -hmm. And that's why a lot of people, older generations, don't seek help for it. I'm not a doctor, <laughs> but I am a hundred percent sure that I have several family members that have mental health yeah, issues yeah. that hasn't been diagnosed by a doctor. But growing up in the South and their older, much older generation, mm-hmm. they are afraid they're going to be labeled crazy. Yeah. Or sometimes they joke around; they'll just call themselves crazy instead of seeking help. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you have a lot of different people working on this film.
1: Tell us a little bit
0: about some of the people that you have working on this film. Because I've looked at some of your visuals and they are pretty amazing.
1: I know, I know. Um, Mike Wilson, Michael Wilson, he shot all the footage everyone is seeing on a campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was an amazing DP. He's actually uh, the DP from Maxine. And then also I have um, Hans Charles is the... DP for The Birthday Gift. Mm-hmm. He was just recently nominated for an Oscar for the uh, Ava DuVernay's documentary, The 13th. Yes. And then I have some amazing producers uh, working with me, three amazing producers um, that I've been friends with for many, many years. Yeah. Uh, we have Safidi, Jocelyn, and uh, Bridget. So... And then I have a good PR and marketing team behind me as well, Chantel and Candace. They have been amazing. So, like, every day we're just trying to push out material.
0: So tell us a little bit about this Indiegogo campaign and, and how we can support and what we can do to help <laughs> uh, Penny Hollis Films. Penny T. Hollis. Penny T. Hollis Films and uh, your two projects.
1: Okay, so the budget is $40,000. We're trying to raise $40,000 by June 11th. Mm-hmm. It's proven to be very hard. We're going into our fourth or fifth week, I think. Okay. And it's just being an um, African American woman is hard, being yeah. in this in the industry that I'm in. Yeah. Well, you understand. Yes. We, yeah, you understand. <laughs> we started film school together, you understand. Yes. So it's, it's hard. And no matter how good my material looks, mm-hmm. people still are not donating. So if you care to donate, please just go to uh, the website com. you can find us on facebook at penny t hollis films as well and the indiegogo uh, is a link on the facebook page and the website for indiegogo but if you just want to go straight to the indiegogo page it's maxine and a birthday gift okay
0: all right and then where can people reach you
1: you can reach me at penny t. hollis films at gmail.com okay
0: penny hollis Thank you so much. Thank you for the having two me. Films, Maxine, and the birthday gift. Please, guys, support these films. They Please. are. Please, um, if if you look at um, her, the website, you will see, and I I promise you, you will donate. All right, Penny. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for
1: having me. I really appreciate it. I really thank appreciate you. the
0: work that you've been doing, especially towards mental health, because I know this is something that you've actually worked on for a while. So yes. um yes. So the fact that you are finally getting them out there, your short films out there, I really uh, think, and I'm proud of you. I'm really thank proud of you it's for scary. the work that you've done. It's
1: scary, but thank
0: you. <laughs> All right, you're listening to WERALP 96.7 FM in Arlington. This is Enlighten Me. And when we return, Tasha Yurk will talk about how we're not being self-aware, uh, and how we need to look inside in order to figure out what is going on with us, because some self-reflection is actually a good thing. All right, this is Enlighten Me, and I'll be right back.
2: Greetings, Arlington. I'm Ed Mellick. And I'm Sal Dietrich. And we're your co-hosts for Grace in 30, a show about people and organizations living by grace. And a call to action for our listeners to join in and make our families,
1: communities, and businesses better.
2: Please join us every Wednesday at 6 p.m. on WERALP, Arlington, 96.7 FM. And be sure to tune into Grace.
0: W E R A L P 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia. This is Enlighten Me. I'm your host, Andrea Cameron, and today I am pleased to be joined uh, by Tasha Eurich She is a organizational psychologist, a researcher, and a New York Times best-selling author. She has done many things in regards to being self-aware. And her latest book, Insight, delves into the connection between our self-awareness and what she calls the meta-skill of the 21st century. This is supposed to help us both in our work and in life. So, Tasha, thank you so much for joining us on Enlighten Me today.
2: Thanks for having me. All right,
0: so you are saying that we're not as self-aware as we think we are and that uh, a lot of people are going uh, throughout life without self-awareness. Tell us first what self-awareness is and how do we work to uh, kind of figure out how to become more self-aware?
2: That's a great place to start. So I have been researching this topic for more than three years now. And part of what was so difficult was an initial definition. And and what my research team came up with after reviewing almost a thousand studies was self-awareness is understanding who we are our inner workings, our values, our passions, as well as understanding how other people see us. Mm -hmm. And to truly be self-aware, you can't just have one of those two things. You really have to have both. Yeah. And in my experience, that's the most common mistake that people make. You know, for example, we all know someone who is a, uh, you know, a desperate navel gazer who spends thousands of dollars a year on therapy and yet has no idea that his friends see him as cheap or insensitive. And that's just <laughs> yeah. one example, right? So, yeah. And I think part of it, too, is just that, you know, we, we can't always be objective about ourselves and there are a lot of reasons that's the case but my research has found that 95% of people think they're self-aware yeah. but the real number is closer to 10 to 15% so Jeez. what I recommend to people is you may very well be self-aware um, all, but on a, on a good day 80% of us are lying to ourselves about whether we're lying to ourselves so oh
0: my it, God. It's worth asking the question that is horrible so the thing about it this is and I, the reason I wanted to have you on today because I think that especially in these times, um, it is so important to understand how people view us and and how we view ourselves. You, you talked about this just uh, now. Is it the second part? Is it how people view us that is where we kind of get caught
2: up? Hey. You know, it's interesting because I see it go both ways. There are some people who have that external Mm self-awareness and and in their search to be liked or accepted, they sort of lose sight of what their internal compass is telling them. But Mm. I also feel like I hear this so much. People say, well, it doesn't matter what other people think of me. All that matters is how I see myself. And God love them. Anyone who thinks that, you're welcome to have that opinion. (laughs) But science would um, politely disagree. (laughs) You know, to have a successful career, to have um, you know fulfilling relationships and a happy life it, it depends on our relationships with other people If yeah. we don't get that data on how we're coming across the good the bad and the ugly um, we're sort of feeling around for the light switch in the dark
0: so how do we get that how do we how do we understand how other people see us in order to um, nurture those relationships in order to have those um, you know fulfilling that fulfilling work office uh, relationship how how does that happen
2: There are so many topics and tools, um, but but let me give you one that people could theoretically start doing today. So the first thing you have to do is find someone in your life who is what I call a loving critic, which means they want you to be successful Mm -hmm. and they're willing to be honest with you. And what you're going to do is approach them. um, Let's say it's a, a good friend of yours who knows you very well. What you might ask them is, first of all, why are you friends with me? And that gets at a lot of the positive characteristics that we may or may not be aware of. Mm -hmm. We we live in this world where people don't share those things. The other thing you might ask them is, what is the thing that I do that is most annoying to you? And a lot of times we're not going to like the answer. Sometimes it confirms what we know. Sometimes it's surprising. But no matter what we learn, it gives us the power to control our destiny. And that's really what this is about is um, having that sense of self-acceptance and being able to improve where we want to.
0: Tasha, now, you know, you make you state a very um, good point, right, that um, sometimes when people, you know, say things very truthful things to us about us, um, it depends on us to take that in and actually, you know, digest that information or reject it. And I I do this parallel to the current um, political landscape, right? The fact that so many people uh, were not uh, getting each other. Um, you know, on both sides of the aisle, when it came to who they were voting for in this election, right? Um, and the New Yorker just came out with a a uh, piece um, a couple of months ago about why facts don't change our minds, right? And I draw the, and I, I draw this into the um, the conversation because I want to understand if someone is telling you something about yourself, right, that you may not find truthful. What happens? Like, why does that not change our mind in the way that it probably should?
2: Humans are amazing at protecting their egos. Um, and, and, and if you think about it, our success depends on, you know, a little bit of that. We, we can't just go around constantly questioning and criticizing everything we do and right. sort of wanting to know how other people see it. Um, but it's also true that we, we sort of have to figure that out. Um, And that's where it becomes important, for example, to look at patterns. So not all feedback is helpful Mm -hmm. and feedback from uh, certain people is not well intended. And so what I would encourage people to ask, if you hear something you don't like, go ask a couple of other people, hey, somebody told me this. Do you see that behavior in me too? Mm -hmm. And every once in a while, it'll be a one-off. Although sometimes like if it's your boss, Mm -hmm. you should probably pay attention, even (laughs) if it's just one person. Right. But that gives us a, a greater sense of context. And I think that's, what's really important
0: so so to the people that say you know but I see a a journalist or I or I I journal or I see a therapist and I am am constantly working on uh being self-aware what do you say to those people if they still have issues with with looking at themselves um and and finding out who they really are
2: So this is one of the things that was most surprising to me in the research that I did on this topic. Mm -hmm. There has been a lot of evidence that self-reflection is actually not related to self-awareness. And and it's not that it's wrong. It's not that we shouldn't go to therapy or we shouldn't journal. It's that a lot of the ways that we typically do it are not effective. And so I talk about that a lot in the book, but but I think um, one of the One of the pieces of wisdom I give people is instead of trying to disappear into your inner depths, you know, and analyzing your childhood and, you know, everything about that fight with your spouse. Right. Try to go broader and look for patterns between events in your life. And that's been shown actually to to produce far more insight than that deep dive approach.
0: So you, you know, you've looked at this um, research and, and a lot of the things that you've looked at have have, Um, I guess you're saying just now that was the most surprising thing that you found in your research. Was there anything else that surprised you about some of the research you've done into uh, self-awareness?
2: Another thing that I was just fascinated by and frankly a little unnerved was just how far other people will go to avoid telling us the truth about ourselves, um, Really. sometimes when we ask them directly. I tell the story of a leader in my book who felt like she bombed a presentation. She asked a co-worker, he said, oh no, it was great. Mm-hmm. And then she found out that he was telling everyone in his life how he really felt about her performance. Wow. And that's where it's just so important to make sure that you are taking full charge and full control. You're asking the right people, the right questions. You are continually questioning those assumptions, and that's where I think the power comes. Is is you know, it, it's self awareness isn't about waiting for other people to um, you know force insight upon us. Right. Or- it's taking charge of that ourselves. So how do you
0: find those people? Because that that brings up the question that I would then ask is you know, if you're asking someone, I'm going to assume that that you think that that person is a close confidant or a friend. Um, and so you would be asking someone who would be a friend of or quote unquote, friend of yours. How do you find the difference between the people who aren't friends and who are?
2: Here's, here's another interesting thought. Um, and this is something that I learned from the highly self-aware people that I studied. The people who are closest to us aren't always the best sources of feedback. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is those are the people that we've got these, you know, very long, complicated relationships with, you know, mm-hmm. it's, I wish all human relationships were as simple as the ones we have with our pets, <laughs> right? But the closer <laughs> we are to people, the more kind of um, stuff there is under the surface. Yeah. So a lot of my executives that I coach, they find that they learn more from, um, you know, they're sort of, um, you know, distant work colleagues, people that they have known for years, but they don't work together with every day. But but they know that there's a level of trust there Mm. and they know that person is willing to be honest and objective. So I would encourage people, you sort of avoid a lot of the emotional baggage if you ask people where you don't have as much of a complicated history. That said though, um, those are the most important relationships in our lives. So sometimes it is worth taking that risk.
0: So close associates, not necessarily friends.
2: I think so. I mean, there are no, there are no, um, you know, kind of, Universal rules, but I think that's a good place to start, just yeah. to, to build up your, uh, you know, courage and bravery.
0: Yeah, we're speaking with Tasha Urich. She is the author of Insight, telling us that we are not as self-aware as we think. Tasha, uh, you know, in looking at this current um, landscape. Um, social media has, has blown up in the last, I would say, maybe, what, 20 years um, in so much as people are going online more and people are, um, you know, telling us all of their feelings uh, in their Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and uh, Snapchat posts. Um, what do you say to the fact that a lot of people are, are looking at that and saying, well, I'm just taking a selfie. I'm just, you know, telling people about my day. Um, where does this fall in the landscape of being self-aware?
2: We are, as, as not just a U.S. society, but as a world, becoming increasingly more self-absorbed and less self-aware. Yeah. And the more self-absorbed we are, the more we you know, portray an idealistic version of ourselves on Facebook or you know, even just see ourselves with rose-colored glasses, the less objective we are about who we really are and, and how we're really coming across and there's been a lot of evidence that, that there is a direct link, a causal link between our use of social media and our levels of self-absorption and mm. narcissism. But here's another interesting data point. So in, in the highly self-aware people that I studied, one thing I learned from them is they actually spent more time on social media than the average person. Really? So was kind of scratching my head about that for a long time until I discovered the way they use that time is fundamentally different than the average person. So the average person logs on, posts a selfie brags about their latest professional accomplishments and leaves what these highly self-aware people do is they use social media as a means to improve other people's lives and days you know they post a beautiful photograph or an article that they found helpful so it's it's about who we focus on that really is the biggest determinant of how much we're letting social media uh, drive us into what I call the cult of self. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, so, so, but that's the thing. I mean, I think that so many. Um you know, this is something that I have struggled with. I have a I have a love hate relationship with social media because I, you know, there's a there's a point where, um, it gets to be to me too much. Um, but it, but this is where we're going right now. I mean, this is this is the world that we're living in right now. The fact that so many people use social media to not only, uh, for businesses, do the marketing for their business, um, but sometimes that's where you get uh, the most up to date information. Um you know, news information. Um, so what do you say to the average consumer um, who may be doing the the, po- the selfie post or who may be doing the um, log of their day um, in order for them to um, kind of switch their thinking around their social media usage?
2: Here's a really simple tip that has been enlightening for me personally, um, as well as other people I talk to. When you log on to your social media profile, when you're about to post something, you should ask yourself, what is my goal here? Mm-hmm. And if my goal is to make people like me or make people think I live a great life or it's, it's me focused in some way, which by the way, 80% of social media posts are, that's where you get into trouble. So what I would recommend for people is to, to just start to be aware of that, ask yourself that question. For me, just personally, that has, has changed the way I use social media. And and you know, like so many people, I, I sort of have to use it as an author. Yeah. But it's really transformed the way I, I try to connect with people by giving them that value as much as possible. Yeah. That's where you can make those connections.
0: So you in your research I know that you have done um, several studies in order to to find people that have changed. People that have you know, have gone from being, uh, you know, unaware of how they come across to um, realizing or becoming self-aware um, in their own right. Tell us a little bit about that research and what you found, and and how they have improved um, their their self-awareness.
2: The 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 name we coined for these people who made these dramatic transformations and improvements in their self-awareness, we, we dubbed them unicorns. <laughs> yeah, right. At first it was joking, right? But 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 we sort of don't believe that they really exist. Yeah. Who are these people? So we, we searched far and wide. We had a, a very rigorous assessment that people had to fill out um, on their own self-awareness. They had to send it to someone else who could sort of put their two cents in. But we ended up with 50 five zero people all around the world who really had made these dramatic transformations. So
0: what were some of the things that they all held in common? What were some of the connecting tissues that, um, you know, that helped them?
2: There were not, interestingly, any similarities with age or gender or country of origin or job type. What they did have in common primarily were two things. Number one was a recognition of the real importance, the critical importance of building their self-awareness. And number two, an almost daily but self-accepting commitment to build it.
0: Hmm. That's interesting. I mean, so you you are, you know, I, I think that that is uh, some great advice to uh, to live by in order for people to, um, you know, become more self-aware. The book is called Insight, Tasha. Oh, one more thing before we go. Um, you know, this isn't your first book that you have done on um you know, on this topic, um, you did bankable uh, leadership in twenty thirteen. What was um, what was the the I guess the spark that started your interest in in looking at this topic?
2: I love that question because I'm so passionate about this. Um, My first book was about how to be an effective leader. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of people talking about that and, you know, to varying degrees of success. But sort of the the next step of that investigation for me was looking at leaders and executives and companies and what separated the successful ones from the ones that crashed and burned. Yeah. And inevitably, at the the core of it was something that I call the, the meta skill of the 21st century, which is how well they knew themselves and how, how much they understood how they came across. And for me, the more I realized this, the more I saw just a declining levels of self-awareness in all areas of our life. And so what I hope to accomplish with this book is, first of all, to help people gently and lovingly question their own level of self-awareness mm-hmm. and really start a conversation about just how important it really is.
0: Yeah, especially in these uh, political times. I think it is something that, um, you know, I think everybody, um, on both sides of the aisle, um, need to really take a good, a good look at well Tasha, said. Tasha, you she is the author of insight. Why we're not as self-aware as we think and how seeing ourselves clearly help us succeed at work and in life. Tasha, thank you so much for joining me today on enlighten me.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: All right, guys. Uh, you know, this is one of the things that I, I swear, I, you know, it, please get this book. (laughs) I, you know, I, I can't say enough about the fact that, um, this is something that I've been personally doing, um, for the past uh, couple of years. Um, you know, taking a look inside and trying to figure out, you know, how do I come across to people? How do I present myself as well as what are the things that I need to do in order to improve? Um, Are there thoughts that I have? Are there um, biases that I carry? Are there uh, things that I discriminate against uh, that I should not or that I need to take another look at or that told from another perspective um, could be something that I could uh, change my thought process on? I think we all need to do that. Um, So Tasha Ewert, she uh, is an organizational psychologist, researcher, and a New York Times bestselling author. She is the author of Insight. Please go check that out. Um, It is sold wherever books are sold. So, uh, you know, go check it out. That is the program today. I want to thank Penny Hollis of Penny T. Hollis Films for uh, her telling of our stories uh, in the... the, um, in the version of Maxine and the birthday gift. So please go to Indiegogo and check out her campaign. Also, Tasha Urich of Insight, uh, the book Insight, showing us that we are not as self-aware as we think. So please go check out both of those uh, you know, from the program. This is Enlighten Me. I'm your host, Andrea Cambrin on WERA.
1: Funding for WERA is provided by Rust Insurance Agency, LLC, a locally owned independent insurance agency since 1889. For more information, visit rustinsurance.com.